Welcome to Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Jay Sherman. Thank you. Tonight, we review an aging Charles Bronson in Death Wish 9. I wish I was dead. Hey. Charles Bronson today, so I'm gonna have to talk about my mom. Yeah, big Charles Bronson fan. Mm. But from now on, I'm gonna be ta- referring to her as Good Mother. <laughs> <laughs> so, I like that. Yeah, you know, that's, <laughs> that's where we're going. Yeah. Like, you know. Man, it's been it's been a weird been a weird day or two, hasn't it? It's been a fucking shite day or two. Yeah, we been. we've we've lost two of two of the soundest people ever. Well, uh, yeah. Look, I. Out of, obviously, um, we're we're on a cold open here, but we're just gonna we're just gonna rap for a little bit, yeah. if you will, as the dream <laughs> would say. But uh, yeah, it's a this is a kind of a off topic, I suppose. So I thought we'd discuss it beforehand. Uh, but uh, we're recording this on the Friday after the Thursday, yeah, where we lost. Both uh, Christopher Lee, a Canon Films alumnus, yeah, and the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, and uh, and frankly, I'm not sure which one I'm more upset about. Well, it's it's kind of weird. Um, Christopher Lee will start off with yeah. Um, Lee, of course, starred in House of Long Shadows, mm. which was a dream project of Menachem Golan's when he got <laughs> to America. Yeah, and I we haven't. Um, Discuss that yet? Obviously, I'm looking forward to that one. That yeah. might be might be a Halloween episode. But could be, could yeah. be. Christopher Lee sadly passed away at the age of ninety three. Mm. Um, Christopher Lee was one of my favorite actors, like yeah. hands down. Um, he started like my kind of fandom of him. Of oh, fandom, Jesus Christ! Oh, Hashtag, oh my God! Oh my God! It's uh, Christopher yeah, Lee. Yeah, he, he was my one true pairing. <laughs> but. Uh, Just, my, <laughs> just him just him uh, good brother who edits the show um, he and myself once sat down and tried to catalogue what the most metal things in the history of the world were yeah and uh, number one was General Zod in the Superman suit 
Yeah, that's but, pretty fucking lethal. <laughs> you know, but number two was just Christopher Lee. Yeah. You know, and that meant the most metal real world thing. Absolutely. Is Christopher Lee. I, I, I said it on... Uh, I posted up a little tribute to him on online, mm-hmm. and I, I said in it that that man got more fucking living in than just about anyone who's ever existed. No doubt about it. I yeah. mean, as I said, like for me, starting when I was a kid, there's a film called Mio in the Land of Far Away. Yeah. And not a lot of people will probably know about this movie. I'm not familiar with it myself. It's a Norwegian fantasy kids movie. Uh, but it's got a hell of a cast because not only is Christopher Lee in it, but Christian Bale is in it as really? well. Really? Yeah, he's, okay. he's a kid, like, but. Yeah. Um, it's this weird kind of. He plays Cato, the, this evil knight, uh, did Christopher Lee, and uh, he was just this creepy old fucking evil dude, like, you know. And uh, that was kind of his yeah. gamut for a while. Uh, I mean. Obviously, when I became a teenager and whatever, I got into his old ha- his Hammer Horror movies. But what was so cool about Christopher Lee was, and I didn't notice that's who he was when I was watching Me on the Land of Far Away. It's not like I was sitting down going, <laughs> well, I only watch films with quality casts. Yeah, of no, course. I went, Land Before Time 4, fucking get in. Get in. <laughs> but, um, well, no, I, I, I actually can't support that one. Land Before Time is my absolute pet peeve of a um, franchise. You know what but, I mean? It's just, yeah. you know, any old show it'll do. Oh, absolutely. Then for the Last Dinosaur, fuck yeah. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> Yeah, when uh, like years later, then I got into his hammer work, and I mean, I love Bela Lugosi, mm. right? And Bela Lugosi is probably my favorite Dracula, but I kind of have to say that Christopher Lee was the best Dracula. Yeah, that guy just brought so much menace to that yeah. role. We we know? we had an argument about this a few weeks back about yeah. who was the best the best Dracula. Yeah. We were both in agreement Richard Roxburgh was the worst. Oh yeah yeah because he Van was Helsing. fucking awful. He should just someone should have actually staked that fucking yeah. idiot. And he's not a bad actor generally but, I know, but god he's damn he was fucking awful in that. Er- but, awful. You know he is he is number one. Oh like, yeah. I mean by by a country mile. And he was like Bela Lugosi was amazing in the original Dracula. Mm. but Lee was just outstanding in all of the Dracula yeah. films he was in and his The Satanic Rites of Dracula I think is the greatest name any film's ever had yeah it's definitely up there anyways yeah, no, but I, I remember the first film I saw his once again it's kids memory now yeah. uh, he made this film in like the early 90s called A Feast at Midnight Okay. And it was about about this about this young kid who gets sent away to like a boarding school, not unlike Hogwarts. Yeah. And uh only without the magic and shit, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um Christopher Lee is he's like the stuffy old headmaster in this. Yeah. And I remember I only saw this when I was like seven or eight or something like that. Yeah. But I remember being just full on intimidated by this guy. <laughs> Well, and that he, was the thing. Even before I really knew who he was, obviously mm. I didn't, right? You know, but I didn't know who that he was. Cato, right? <laughs> yeah. The guy I watched in *Me on the Land of Far Away*. But I remember my mother and uh, my aunts and my uncles and all that would talk about him in hushed tones, like he was Sauron, because <laughs> like, he was he the who Dracula. shall not be named. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, Dracula, Christopher Lee, the Prince of Darkness. Oh my God! Like yeah. they get terrified talking about him, like you know, because to their generation, mm. that guy was fucking and terrifying. He, he well, you can watch that shit and it still holds up. He oh, is terrifying. 
Dracula, um, Prince of Darkness, uh, Dracula's Risen from the Grave. Like these are some of the best horror movies yeah. at that time. The Devil Rides Out, which is this amazing fucking occult satanic uh, film where he actually plays the hero. Yeah. Um, the Skull, another movie he's great in. Like him and Peter Cushing and guys like that. Like it's Frankenstein, yeah. of course, of Frankenstein. Like th- these movies are just classics. And the cool thing about Christopher Lee was. He was like the Ramones or Anvil or something like that. One, you know, these were bands who were kind of critically dismissed when they were in their primes mm. and kind of forgotten about. But their fans went on to basically take what they'd done and do it bigger. Absolutely, you know. Yeah. And Christopher Lee was an amazing actor who just laid it out every time well, he came on screen. But what I'm saying is, like they, the Hammer Horror films were praised as genre pictures, but he himself wasn't a critical darling yeah. and what was cool was when the kids who loved his movies grew up that's when he again got all of his acclaim because George Lucas Tim Burton you know Peter Jackson guys like this were like yeah this guy's the fucking man Absolutely. and you they were fucking I mean? right and they put him in all their movies and, you the, know. Thing, the thing about Christopher Lee he had a he had a bit of Michael Caine about him in that he was in some absolute dreck. Oh, the Howland too. Oh Christ! <laughs> no, but but here here's the mark of a good actor. He took whatever pablum shite that people gave him, mm-hmm. and he he made it work most of the time. Now some of it was oh, just yeah. irredeemable. I refer but, you to the Howland too. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and. Uh, but like more often than not, he made shit scripts work. Oh yeah, and yeah. if you can do that, you have you have some real real talent. Well, even the Dracula Prince of Darkness, he mm. turned up, uh, read the script, and went, "You know what? I hate all the dialogue in this, so I'm just going to play the part mute." <laughs> and he's the most interesting character in the whole film. Yeah, he doesn't say one word. Cause, you know, because <laughs> like like the man we're going to be discussing later, he just has a physicality and like a gravitas yes. that very few people have and you can't fake it yeah. it's it's one of those things you you know you can be as fucking pumped as chris Hem, hemsworth or whatever yeah but if if you don't have if you can't move like he can yeah it doesn't work you know well talking about moving and jiving and um oh, be, be shucking and jiving shucking and jiving and dropping bionic elbows <laughs> Um, obviously, this is uh, this is a not a pro wrestling podcast, but we are a couple of pro wrestling marks. Oh fuck yeah! And um, I be honest with you, I was quite devastated yesterday to find out about the death of the American Dream. That they wrote. Yeah, because this one came out of nowhere. I mean, Christopher Lee, he was ninety three. It was going to happen yeah. sooner rather than later. Uh, Dusty was only Dusty was sixty nine. I figured he'd have a few more years in him yet. Well, Dusty um, like. Was Granted, seen, he was a big man and all. But. Oh yeah, but like it seemed like Dusty was always around. Yeah, you know, he, he always seemed to me like he'd be that guy who just like, you know, every f- two years Dusty appears on Raw, yeah. drops the elbow, and I was like, that's going to be the way it is forever, right? And yeah, then, you know. Um, you know, he, he'd come in, he'd try to give Cody a rub, it wouldn't work. He'd come back again in two years' time, and, uh, try to make it happen again. Well, the thing, like Dusty Rhodes' American Dreams, who we're talking about. Uh, Dusty was one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time. Yeah. Like, when you talk, like, he was an underrated in ring worker, I think. Mm. Like, Dusty had some phenomenal matches. And if I was to recommend one or two, I would say go hunt down his match with Barry Windham that's featured on the 
the Rise and Fall of WCW. Yeah. And I would also recommend their uh, uh, Great American Bash '86 Ric Flair versus Dusty Rhodes for the World Title in the Cage. Hell's yes. You know these. If you there's a thing called ring psychology, and Dusty Rhodes wasn't so much a fucking doctor in it as he was the guy who invented it all. <laughs> yeah. I mean Nietzsche and fucking Freud and all these guys. <laughs> Are fucking children in comparison yeah. to what Dusty could do. I'll, I'll say, I'll say this: he he was a ma- in ring at least. He was a master of getting a lot out of a little yeah. because he was not the most athletic by a, by like any stretch of the imagination. He's behind maybe a little big. Yeah, you know? my belly may be a little big, my behind may be a little big, but I'm bad, uh, and they know uh, I'm bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but. Uh, Dusty on the microphone, like so many people, like so many actors and whatever else, mm. the CGI castles exploding around them or whatever. Dusty Rhodes needed a microphone, and yeah. he'd just stand there and he would talk to you, just through the TV, and he was just so magnetic. I mean, the like as I said, on, I, I put out a thing on my personal social media where I was like, so much of so many personal memories attached to Dusty, like. Um, one that I forgot about but I think I'll bring up here is a good brother who was editing this show uh, for us okay one time when like when I first moved up to Galway the A-team was coming up and I remember like I was like I don't care about the A-team you know whatever mm. you know I like the TV show I don't need to see the movie okay. and then Charlotte Copley and Rampage Jackson came on Raw to promote it and Dusty Rhodes at the end of the show cut a promo about how everyone should go see the A-Team <laughs> and it was so good me and oh sorry kayfabe right? <laughs> myself and uh, Good Brother were just like holy shit we gotta go see this movie <laughs> and uh, Dusty he, he talked people into the building he that's what us, he fucking does he talked us into the bu- into a building he wasn't going to be anywhere near <laughs> like uh, Dusty was just phenomenal like um, and he, he as well. Oh, sorry, man. No, I didn't no. mean to cut you off. I want to say like the the thing with Dust was like it didn't matter. Like the the reason his legend endured is because it didn't matter what he looked like, or like it didn't matter how well it didn't matter what he looked like, but it didn't matter how, how physically able he may have been based on his years in the ring. He could cut a promo before the match to make you care about him so much. Mm. Like in ECW, we had these matches with Steve Carino. And when you go back and look at them, it's just two dudes stabbing each other for five minutes. <laughs> Pretty much. But the promos Dusty cut beforehand to make you believe it was a matter of life and death. Like, yeah. you know? And Steve fucking Carino. Yeah. I mean, who gives a shit about I know, him? No, 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 no. King of old school. All right, all right, all right. But um, that's the thing. Like, Dusty... I could go into many more, like including the story about like myself and yourself, yeah, uh, telling an entire bar to shut up, yeah, so we could listen to one of his promos. Yeah, the I, it was it was payback about two years ago, I think it was. Yes, and it was in the middle of that Shield versus the Rhodes Brothers feud. Wonderful match, wonderful match. But beforehand, Dusty is is there with his boys cutting a backstage promo, and the sound is down because you know we weren't in a we. We were the only people watching it, I think. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. the sound was down, and we we shouted over at the barman, Mike. Mike, <laughs> fucking lob the sound up there. <laughs> he wouldn't lob it up high enough so we could hear it. So yeah. we fucking shot over beside the fucking TV and held our ears up against the speakers <laughs> just so we could hear this. And was it me or you who sh- who shouted at the at the bar? I think we both just kind of went, "Shut the fuck shut up. the fuck up." We don't care what's going on in your Monday 
nine miserable <laughs> fucking existences. Oh, really? The wife is mad at you. She'll be mad at you again because you're a fucking alcoholic. Well, the dream is on. <laughs> the okay. dream is on. And this is more important. Like I think I told I told you the story about how like uh, Liam, who's a listen to this, a listener of this show, and um, he produced that "It's Time" yeah, uh, track, which I love. Oh, great track! And um, anyway, we. Me and him, we went to see a friend of ours in a play, and she was up. It was an intermission, and in the second act, it was the crucible. She was supposed to be crying, so we were on, like we went outside for the intermission, and we didn't know we were under her window, and we just started doing impressions of Dusty as if he was a Captain Planet villain. <laughs> and we were just there. I remember I was there going, "They've American Dream does the rules. It's going to pollute this earth if that's what it takes to get the textile industry in this country back on the feet. Because the American people need to put food on their family's table. And I tell you this, you're going to hug a tree, but ain't no meal going to fall out of it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it was, it was that kind of stuff over and over again. And, uh, you know, the, the thing about Dusty and, you know, there's a there's a line I want to leave this on, if that's okay with yourself. Absolutely. Uh, Dusty, one of Dusty's greatest promos was the Hard Times promo. Yeah. And um, Dusty, I remember at the end of it, he, you know, he talked about, like, you know, uh, when people fall on hard times, you know, this is just, a, you know, just in general, like, you know. And he said, um, he goes, like, he talked about different examples, like, you know, people being shut down in auto factories and whatever else. And he said, and that's why we're out here trying to give you good times, you know. Mm. And the thing is, like, I know a lot of people in the last year who've had a lot of badness happen to them, who've fallen on hard times. And a lot of people will be feeling the hard time blues because of big dust gone, like, you know. Fuck yeah. And that's why I think we probably sit here and do these shows so we can give people those little good times throughout their week, you know. And uh, that's why, uh, you know, guys like Dusty, they're crazy. Guys like... Christopher Lee, you know, they they did that's what they did. They entertained us, like, you know. Yeah. And if uh, if we can do even a modicum of that for you, well then we'll be living on the end of a lightning bolt. <laughs> that's what we're aiming for. <laughs> anyway, we should probably get into yeah. talking some canon. Then, yeah, let's get into the canon. Come on. Logo. <laughs> Logo. Stuff's the road the American dream, the great American batch. The hottest ticket in town. Coming throughout this country. July the 1st in Philly. And Washington, D.C., Dusty Rhodes, the American dream, gets his chance once again at destiny, at, at what all dreams are made of in this country. Living in the promised land, being the best you can. That's what it's all about. Ending up in Fulton County Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. A great American bash. And this year of 1986, Miss Liberty, living in the promised land, Dusty Rhodes faces his sternest test. Because no matter how much a fever pitch the great American dream provides for the people throughout television land, throughout arena land, throughout wrestling land, there is one thing that stands out in the mind of millions of people throughout this country daily. Whether you like wrestling or not, does not matter. Ole Anderson and Dusty Rose have to somewhere sometime, someplace in this thing that has for years driven this inside of me to be as bad as I can, to be mean, to be ugly, to be nasty, to get around dirty. And Ole Anderson, you're on your last leg. This might be the swan song, if you will. And like I said before, if it be that way, let it be. Nobody interfere. Me and you, the four horsemen, they need to ride on another planet. 
Because I reserved a stratosphere for me and you. And there ain't nobody else on the stratosphere. On the end of the lightning bolt that crashes through this great, vast atmosphere, Dusty Rose lives. I ride on the end, and I got a silver-studded saddle. And I've rode there for seven years. You got to come up to my, my place. Ole Anderson at Dusty Rhodes, the Midnight Express, baby doll, everybody. Get it now, the hottest ticket in town, the Great American Bash, living on the end of a lightning bolt. Okay, well, after that, um, it's, <laughs> we've got a, we talked last week about the steak and the sizzle. Yeah. You know? <laughs> we're back to, uh, we're back to steak heavy, heavy territory in many ways. Oh, Not necessarily yeah. based on the film in some cases, but on the politics of the film and whatever else. Uh, we got to talk about, uh, Dead Wish 2, which is obviously, um, the film we're going to discuss today. Mm. But, uh. No, you might be wondering to yourself why they're why are they going after Dead Wish two and not Dead Wish one? But Dead Wish one wasn't a canon film, exactly. And um, the I think what we'll have to do first time is just talk about Dead Wish one just for two or three minutes. Yeah, right. Uh, you've done a bit more research on Dead Wish one, so why don't you lead? Why don't you inform the public bit of um, Dead Wish one? Death Wish 1, released in 1974, for my money at least, is one of the seminal films of the 1970s. I agree with that. It is one of the most provocative pieces of cinema I think I've ever seen. For my money, it's a meditation on victims' rights, post-traumatic stress disorder, vigilantism. It raises a lot of hard questions and doesn't give any easy answers. You can almost get past the fact that it was directed by a man who, let's be perfectly honest, is a bit of a scumbag. Oh, we'll get into that. <laughs> we'll in get into that in a bit. <laughs> and what holds what holds this together is the absolute monolithic fucking performance of of, Char, uh, of Our star of Chuck Bronson. Cuz this guy, he is Chuck Bronson was the perfect Paul Kersey. Chuck Bronson, he's been in a ton of movies, and a ton of movies that I've really loved, but to me, he is Paul Kersey. Well, that's the thing, when, when Charles Bronson died, I mean, Charles Bronson, for my money, may have been in the greatest film ever made. What's that? Once Upon a Time in the West. Yeah, like, you're, you're on to something there. You know, I'm not necessarily going to put down that as it is the greatest movie of all time. Mm. However... It's in the conversation. It's in the top one, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's in the top five anyway. You yeah. know, like I, it's just that movie's incredible, and um, he's amazing. In it. Uh, but like Bronson, when he died uh, back in two thousand three, I believe, um, he like I remember the when the obituaries came out it wasn't Charles Bronson star of the Great Escape, Charles Bronson star once one of him in the West. Mm. It was Charles Bronson star of Dead Wish films. Yeah. And this was his signature role. Like, mm. you know, the Dead Wish, Dead Wish One. Uh, I haven't seen it in a number of years, but like, it's a really kind of slow moving, brutal kind of film, and it's, you know, yeah. it's about a guy, uh, Paul Kersey, whose wife and daughter gets, uh, well, his wife gets murdered and his daughter is brutally raped by a young Jeff Goldblum amongst yeah. others. But um, <laughs> was the thing was with um, with that film, it's a real morally ambiguous 
kind of discussion mm. of vigilantism and there's so much amazing symbolism in it because like to try and get over his wife's death he goes on holiday to Montana yeah. and he kind of becomes entrenched in cowboy culture Yeah, and this is like the visual of Bronson reattaching himself to a kind of cinematic language that existed 20 years ago that he was a part of yeah you know it's it's the Ameri- it's the american mythos he was he was sort of yeah because the cowboy thing uh, they made cowboy movies for for about three times longer than the actual than the actual period they set them in yeah, lasted yeah. you know they they've mythologized this thing to the point where it's like whatever whatever it is well, whatever it really was is completely lost. Oh yeah, yeah. And you know, it, it's it's one of those things. I I'm I'm guessing you have to be American to truly get it. I dig cowboy movies well, and everything. I, don't know. I mean, again, Once Upon a Time in the West for my money might be the best western made by an Italian. <laughs> yeah, know? true, true. <laughs> like the some of the best westerns were spaghetti westerns made by Italians. Like you know, yeah, Kioma, <laughs> Kioma, man, fucking yeah, fuck yeah, uh, Django, fucking. <laughs> Like the, I, one of my <laughs> one of my uh, true heroes, Mo Dempsey. I remember he said, uh, "What's called?" He go, he he. I think he was probably a bit tired that day. He goes, "Well, they call them spaghetti westerns because they shot them in Spain." <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I know what he was going for. Yeah, but, you know, and Mo is a fucking awesome dude. Like, mm. but um, the thing with uh, Dead Wish One, it's ultimately about one man who just pushed to the fucking edge yeah. and like the police won't solve the crime of his wife and daughter being attacked like nothing is done about it yeah. so he just fucking grabs I remember, at first he grabs a sock full of coins <laughs> yeah. and goes and batters people with it <laughs> and then he just goes right fuck it and tools up with a gun and yeah. goes out and just starts murdering fucking uh, and it's it's not even uh, a straight revenge thing it's just no, whoever he doesn't get the guys who did it no he just goes on a fucking rampage like. and little bit of trivia in, in the first one at least yeah. he get he gets uh, a young Denzel Washington does he? yeah I think it is anyways it could be, it could I don't be know. number well, three I'm, young, I'm, I get confused about this there's sometimes. a young uh, actor coming up in this absolutely, one absolutely yeah but uh, anyway like yeah this is the one thing that that wish didn't need it ends with Kersey being run out of New York yeah and it's really ambiguous ending and you're thinking it's like the question is left up to the audience has he gone too far Mm. is he still a good guy etc yeah and in an ambiguous ending like that what it doesn't need is a sequel (laughs) yeah it got fucking four Uh, alright but uh I, I was thinking about this or I, I watched Death Wish 1 a couple of days before I, I watched yeah. this one and I was thinking it would have been a better film had Kersey died at the end probably I, yeah you know I mean because that's, my, what, that's what happened now because my my thinking on the matter was the guy the guy that uh, Kersey really wanted dead was himself yeah that was the way I always that was the way I always read it it's like um, it's like Mad Max almost Abs- where it's like I won't kill myself yeah but I'm not gonna fucking live safe yeah you know <laughs> yeah. Doing that. I'm gonna put myself in situations where it's it could happen it's like that thing where I remember someone saying to me one time like if you decided that you want to kill yourself then you're bulletproof yeah why don't you just go alright for a year I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want absolutely and then if I still feel like dying I'll do it like you know but, oh but instead they'll just sit down and listen to the smiths and <laughs> cry well, well not if you grab a piece and 
the subway and fucking blow dudes away. No, no, I'm talking. I'm talking about most suicidal oh, fuckers. Yeah. But yeah. but uh, anyway, the um, the as we the last thing a film like that needed a sequel. It got four. Yeah. Um, I'll name them off here. There's Dead Wish, Dead Wish Two, Wish Harder, <laughs> uh, Dead Wish Three, London Calling, <laughs> Dead Wish Four, The Crackdown. Yeah. Uh, which is his actual title. <laughs> And that was five. Why am I still alive? <laughs> um, I I like to think that they were going to make more. So I th- I thought about films they could have made mm. up until two thousand and three, up until yeah. Charles Bronson's death. So that was six six six. The Great Beast of the Streets was one I thought. <laughs> nice. That uh, was seven. Lucky shot. I believe you said uh, yeah. Las Vegas, Nevada. Would be where that's it. Exactly. That uh, was hate. Yeah. Which will come out after. American History X you know what I'm saying H8 yeah. that's what we're going for here and just a swastika on the box yeah. hate club I thought they were dead <laughs> yeah. Nick Cage Nick Cage Nick Hatred <laughs> fuck you will you see how far we're gonna go I'm out of here this is Robbie Marino CZW with Zandig oh my god what the fuck just happened what do you mean what happened what are you blind Jesus! There was five of them! It took five of them! Justice Payne! Oh, hate Club! Oh, the Hate Club's dead! Nick Gage! Nate Hatred! Who do you think you are? Nobody does this to Zandig! Nobody does this to the White Beater! Zandig, White Beater, Nick Mondo! We are the most ultraviolet force on the face of the earth! Oh my! Oh! Yo, you're gonna die! You are gonna die! I guarantee it! I am gonna kill you! Um... You people have not seen anything! This is just the start of Fake You TV! I am the ultraviolet icon! This is Robbie Marino! This is CZW, the most violent federation on the face of the earth! You just wait and see how far we're going to go. I'm out of here. Uh, of course, the most controversial entry in the series, Dead Wish 9-11. Oh, uh, shit. You know, we'll come after that. I can only imagine what you had in mind for that one. Uh, Dead Wish 10, then. Kersey's Dead, The Final Nightmare, a.k.a. Michael Winner's Wishmaster 3. <laughs> <laughs> which is oh. a fucking triple joke I'll have you, from, I, you know? plus a film I would finance <laughs> yeah, if the people involved were still alive uh, of course Dead Wish 11 mm. Back From Heaven uh, nice it's a resurrection picture because obviously died number oh of course ten. yeah uh, Dead Wish 12 The Next Generation uh, that was the failed sequel with a bunch of young kids just running around <laughs> killing people Shia LaBeouf was we are talking course, to him about it yeah yeah he couldn't grow the right moustache uh, Dead Wish on Lucky 13 almost a sequel to Dead Wish Lucky, uh, 7 Lucky Shot <laughs> yeah uh, and of course John Derrick then would like to direct Dead Wish 14 if there's grass on the pitch play dead oh god <laughs> Jesus Christ hey I look at <laughs> anyway uh, I, we've talked about Bronson obviously mm. Michael Winner let's discuss him for a split second there yeah now what can you say about Michael Winner he's a cunt he's an absolute shit no the reason I say that is because 
there isn't a single positive right uh, like a uh, record of Michael Winner. There's not a single positive account of his character. I think out no, there. like everybody who seemed to work with him, apart from probably Bronson, yeah, right, who I'm sure he's probably filleting Bronson's ego every few seconds. Oh, I don't doubt it. But like, it seemed like everybody who worked under that guy and especially women who were unfortunate enough to work underneath yeah. that guy have nothing but shitty things Understandably. to Understandably. And look, if one person tells you your shit stinks, yeah. maybe your shit stinks. A hundred people tell you your shit stinks, you fucking stink. And yeah. Like, the accounts of this guy's behaviour is reprehensible. There, and, you know, he's... There, there he's, was a, there's a show on, on British TV called uh, Have I Got News For You? And... In the in the first two or three started in the early nineties, in the first two or three seasons of it, a running gag they had was how much of an absolute cunt Michael Winner was. Yeah, yeah. And it always got a laugh. They had the cunt, the Michael Winner cunty scaled. Yeah, they? pretty much. It was like it, it was one. It was one to Michael Winner, <laughs> and it was a five point scale. And I think Margaret Thatcher was a four. Oh, that should tell you. Again, if you wanna if you wanna see what we're talking about here, just go and do the research yourself. Like, from what I understand, Winner was horrible to a lot of his cast members, yeah. and especially to women. Yeah, um, he had he, a problem with women. Too. He really did. Uh, he liked to. He seemingly had a fixation on featuring sexual assault of women in his films a lot. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the guy just had this leery fucking misogynistic fucking way about himself uh, he like he never made a good account yeah, of himself there, there was I, it's it's online you can look it up on YouTube um, it, it was around when the first was it the first or the second Death Wish oh the second Death Wish where he had the interview with the feminist critic yes and she questions him heavily about themes of rape and his work and instead of kind of he just acts like a cunt. This is the yeah. only way I can describe it. And he asks, oh, have you ever been raped? Yeah. And she just goes, uh, yes, yes, I was. And, uh, and he and he's like, well, okay then. Yeah, he's just... Know, still absolutely cunty to her. Like, maybe people in America mightn't have as, had as much exposure to winners fucking arseholiness as the rest of us yeah. who are over Count here. Count yourself lucky. Uh, but uh, trust us. Yeah. Right? Or just go look it up. Look up that Debt Wish yeah. 2 uh, debate. I, um, actually, the the one thing I can ever say in Michael Winner as a man, you know, in his defense as a human being, yeah. is the Richard Littlejohn thing. He did, yeah. 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 Uh, for, for the Americans listening, Richard Littlejohn is... Yeah, he's he's like say the the British equivalent of Rush Limbaugh. Yeah, and he was he was talking to a bunch of uh, I I think he was talking to a bunch of uh, women about ge- about uh, gender, gender politics, politics and what have you, yeah. and he was just being an absolute arse to them. And for some reason, he had Winner on. I assume because he thought Winner would back him up. <laughs> back up, yeah. yeah. And it's like Michael, what do you think about that? And it's like, well. Richard, you've behaved appallingly. Yeah. And frankly, I think you're a bit of an arse. <laughs> and if, uh, it was the one time where... If Michael like, Winter tells you you're an arsehole, yeah. you got problems. Yeah, that, you know? it's, it's the old Groucho Marx line. If seven or eight people say you're dead, lie down. <laughs> <laughs> if Michael Winter calls you an arsehole. <laughs> well, the thing with Winter is, like, um, we're both grown-ups, mm. right? And... Uh, Again, he's he's made his behavior on record has painted a picture of a man who was pretty repugnant personally, but we're, we're all grown up, and we can disassociate uh, 
the artist from the art, so to speak. Um, I'm sure you like a few Ted Nugent songs just like I do. I do like Cat Scratch Fever. There we go, you know, uh, and many other uh, artists who've got like maybe different political opinions and whatever else to us. I mean, like John Milius is one of my <laughs> favourite directors. I'm sure I couldn't find a single thing to agree with him on politically. Yeah, I, I love Kurt Russell. Me and Kurt are on very opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, wow. uh, oh, look, Kurt Russell fucking... Ah, love that man. Big from <laughs> Little China, my favorite movie of all time. True, true. Anyway, uh, yeah, with, uh, it is a Michael Leonard film directed uh, by him and uh, starring Charles Bronson. And I, I think we've probably prattled on uh, long enough, yeah. a little bit longer than we usually do with our really? intros. So uh, it's probably about time we got to Debt Wish 2. Absolutely. Okay, we start with the aerial shot of Los Angeles, <laughs> and uh, you know it, there's a radio thing going on. There's like just radio, like a crime report going mm. on, which is kind of important to the plot. But uh, I, as I was just sitting there listening to this, and I kind of have a fairly cynical cinematic brain on myself, and uh, all, one of the reports said rapes are up sixty one percent, and I sat there and I said, "Yeah, well, when Michael Winner makes a film in your city, <laughs> that tends to happen." <laughs> <laughs> but um, we, it's this is obviously Los Angeles. Dead Wish One, of course, set in New York. Mm. Uh, and Dead Wish One ends in Chicago, but we, I guess yeah. Bronson didn't like Chicago. Apparently you know? not. And sure, why not? I, uh, I hear it's cold in the winter. True. But um, yeah, it was aerial shots. Of, we're just kind of loosely setting the scene, and there's some music playing in the background. Of course, one person we forgot to mention mm. in the intro to this music. By fucking Jimmy Page. Yeah, the, there is such a badass '80s riff yeah. playing when the when this opening montage is happening. It's a phenomenal fucking piece. It's a. Uh, it's a. It's on my MP3 player right now. Well, the thing is, like Jimmy Page, uh, like great guitarist, um, and. It was in Led Zeppelin and I'm sure I could ask you to name five classic Zeppelin songs and then I could sit here yeah. let you name them off and if you ask me to do five different ones I could do the same and um, that's how good of a band they are yeah if, if we start talking about how great Zeppelin are we will be here for another fucking you know yeah, yeah. five days but, but uh, anyway uh, we see Charlie Bronson anyway he's, he's hanging out with uh, his missus yeah, uh, Jill Ireland, who's his actual missus. Really? Yeah, yeah. All oh, right, that's his actual wife. 
and uh, they, no, she she was on she was on the older she was on the older side of Milfi at this point. She was, yeah. You know, she was getting on a bit, but she still would. She well, Charles Bronson, you see, is housekeeper. She's making the house up. Yeah, that's unfortunate for her. Uh, Jill Ireland, who I'm sure, based on her actual matrimonial status with Charles Bronson. Is that the only reason she escaped cinematic assault? Yeah. Because um, I'm sure Bronson would have pulled a fucking piece and put one in Michael Winter for real. <laughs> True. But, um, and they go off to visit Charles Bronson's unfortunate daughter who survived the attack yeah. of, the, uh, of the first film. And uh, I, I just wrote here, uh, he hugs his daughter, and without even thinking, I just wrote the words, I'd fucking love a hug off Charles Bronson. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just like... Because he's such a charismatic dude, like you know. But the the only physical contact you'd get of Charles Bronson being a man is it, violent. It's I, the I, it'd be a handshake that it hurt. Yeah, but it, it, it'd hurt so good though. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. But like, it just I don't know. He's he's the kind of dude who it's just fucking cool. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but um, the the daughter, she's fucked up in the head. Yeah, she's still she's still like she's semi catatonic. Yeah, and. Um, which, which is really sad because she starts off just like a normal regular girl in the first movie oh, and yeah, then yeah. the thing happens and then we're and she's clearly not taken to it well in the in the timeline of the series this is two years after the events of the first one do you know if that was the same actress um I think I'm not sure to be honest with you I doubt it because she looks very young yeah so. she is she, I didn't do the research on this. So, ne- yeah. neither, neither did I. I've, I kind of skimped, to be honest. But uh, anyway, he he goes, picks up his daughter, and we're getting a little bit of kind of like, just a setting for this. Yeah. And he brings her to, he's like, I'll get you some ice cream. And straight away, we run into what can only be described as a gang of pricks. Yeah. And they these guys, there's like five of them, I think. One of them is fucking Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, you know, wearing a pair of pink wraparound shades. Yeah, uh, and smoking and smoking like slate hash. Yeah, there's no real reason for these guys to be pricks. They're just pricks. Yeah, and they take one look at Charles Bronson and decide, uh, well, let's roll them for money. Which yeah. not only makes them pricks, it makes them the. It, the thickest fuckers in in Greater Los Angeles. Why would you pick on him? Yeah, Look of him. all of the people <laughs> yeah. in Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, fucking Richard Simmons was in Los Angeles at the same time. He'd yeah. be a better target. You couldn't pick a worse man. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if Rambo had been walking along, right, yeah. they would have had an easier time with him. Yeah, that, that's the equivalent to going up to Mike Tyson in his prime and just, like, <laughs> grabbing his nose between your two fingers and slapping down like that. Well, I mean, but... You're gonna die. Yeah, and like <laughs> they they rob him of money. Yeah, and uh, he chases one of them and fucks him up. Yeah, unarmed now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know. The guy pulls a knife on him and he basically just no sells it. Yeah, and like he, gra- he grabs a grabs a cardboard box, uses that as a shield, yeah. just fucking throws it away. He fucks him up. And you're like straight away. You're like, God damn it! I fucking love Charles Bronson. <laughs> yes, as an action star, you know. And this is the thing. We're gonna get into the really horrible part of the film in a second. Right, but uh, the thing is, Charles Bronson can save a movie because for whatever reason, when it comes to just action scenes, that just just fucking got us. Mm. You know, he under he understands whatever it is you need to do yeah. to make it to make it work. He uh, the guys have stole his wallet, so uh, this gang 
Mm. And uh, they saw his wallet, so they go, let's go hit him where he lives. Yeah, because how dare he try to get his money back off us, yeah, a, yeah, pair, yeah. a pack of pricks like us. And you think one of them would have learned his fucking lesson when he yeah. got the shit knocked out of him. Like, oh, but know? apparently the you know his ego couldn't take that, so it's like, yeah, we need to get our revenge on this man for beating me in a fair fight. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, they, they go to the house and... Yeah. The maid is there. Poor Rosaria. And uh, basically, what they do is they violently gang rape her. Yeah, there, there's a there's a bit here where like uh, one of the guys he he knocks on the front door delivery, yeah. and a bunch of guys sneak around the back. And the the maid she opens up the curtain, looks out the window, and sees this you know fucking mullet head staring back at her. Yeah. And there's like a second of shock. Yeah. Window smashes in the back, and the you know they all pile in. One second. And the thing is, what happens next goes on way longer than it fucking should. And, the, well, this is like, the in the uncut version, which I have seen in the past, but this the version I watched for this wasn't the uncut Yeah. Version. The scene lasts for about ten minutes. Yeah. It's this extended rape scene. And here's what bugs me about it the most. All right, first of all, all right, I can fucking do without rape scenes. Y- yes, right, I, absolutely. I, I don't like them. Right? Um, <laughs> just like rape in general yeah, we yeah, could yeah. do without it uh, yeah yeah I, I, I don't you know it's like when uh, remember the miscarriage thing on Raw yeah I could do without that oh like, fuck yeah I could just do it. sexual violence is something like not to say that it can't be uh, discussed and portrayed intelligently on film mm. it can uh, a film I would recommend checking out is Martha Marcy May Marlene that film deals with it exceptionally well yeah and that's a hard that's a hard watch but it's a good watch but you know what I mean like the, there's, there are good movies out there you know, that deal with this kind uh, of Irreversible is another one there you go but but again Irreversible is another one. Oh, no no but it should be a hard watch yeah whereas this alright those films exist to kind of discuss that kind of thing yeah and take on the topic head on right the rape scenes in this film only exist to motivate Charles Bronson into action like the female car and to provide a weird sexual content you know yeah so it's just like oh well we need some female characters to get raped so uh, yeah. so see, Charles Bronson can it, go fight you know see it, it happened in the first film and in the first film, you can understand it. Oh, I will defend the yeah. first film. The fir- in the first film, you need something really extreme yeah. to provoke an ex- such an extreme reaction. Yeah. So it makes sense in that content. In in that context, I should say. In the second one, it's unnecessary because he's already that guy. He's already Paul Kersey, yeah. architect slash Batman. You know, <laughs> yeah. he, he doesn't need. He doesn't need. Um, and he doesn't no. need an extra fucking. It's rape fucking lazy. To is make what it is. yeah, it's lazy and it's fucking repugnant. I mean, you know, they could have done anything. They could have just like fucking sliced her up a bit. They could have. They could have just killed. They could have just like stabbed her in the in the stomach. Yeah. Like, any, any sort of instead. Yeah, any sort of unpleasant but not rape stuff. Yeah. Would have sufficed to make this to make this work. However, our director, however, our director made the choice. He's like, well, what worked in the first one? Well, there was a rape scene. That so let's do a shitload more rapes in this movie. Yeah, and and the way it's filmed is just like it's the, the, like they'll always make the case, and Michael Winter himself made the case. It's like all oh, rape happens and all that. Yeah, but the way you filmed this rape, yeah, is 
to elicit excitement almost do you yeah think? like it's not it's not like your one's crying and all that but it's more so about the guys yeah raping her the the un the uncut version of this the it's it's video nasty territory it is yeah it's i you know it's it's if anything it's like a worse version of i spit on your grave yeah <laughs> and I and I don't say that uh, out of any sense of hyperbole. Yeah. I've watched I Spit in Your Grave, and it's like, okay, I can understand why that that happened, and as unpleasant as it is, I can deal with it. Well, Death, Mirza Ricci, Death Wish 2, oh my God. In Mirza Ricci, of course, uh, the guy directed um, I Spit in Your Grave, he kind of, the reason he made that film was so he could, in a way, exercise his own demons, because he, him and his son... Apparently, we were walking through Central Park in New York, and they came across like a woman who'd been violently gang raped. Oh God! And like he said, that kind of haunted him for years. So that's why he wanted to make a movie. I can imagine. Uh, so, so yeah, you know, and obviously we know I spit in your graves, but but anyway, uh, to like, we're gonna have to discuss this in yeah. a, a bit more. Um, the the guys uh, basically fucking. Uh, yeah, they do what they do. Uh, Kersey comes home. They kill her in front of him, kidnap Kersey's daughter, and knock Paul out. Yeah. Now, of course, Charles Bronson fights back, but they get the better of him. Like, mm. you know? And then, what do you follow up one horrible rape scene with? Another one. Yeah, you think you think the... I, I have it written down here. You'd think these boys would be worn out after the first one, but apparently Morpheus has been handing out the blue pills. Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> Oh God! So yeah, they go to the back to their hideout. Yeah, and they no. In the version I saw, it was cut, but there is another extended rape scene here. Yeah, uh, and then after that, um, Paul Kersey's daughter, Carol. Yeah, Carol. Sorry, uh, she kills herself. Yeah, she she run she she gets a, a an open opportunity. She runs from them jumps out a window and impales herself on a spiked fence. Yeah. And, oh my God, uh, there is, this is one of the worst fucking scenes in all of cinema. Oh, it's... Like, like they're, they're, gang, they're gang raping a woman who already has shell shock from being raped two years prior. Yeah. She can barely fucking function as it is. As I said, the thing that really bugs me is these characters only exist to be raped and killed. Yeah. It's just like here, here's some cheap shit. Yeah, you know? uh, uh, honestly, man, you could you could take a quadruple amputee, put a fucking Star of David T-shirt on them, drop them in the Gaza Strip, and they have a better chance of survival than a woman in a Death Wish movie. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Well, anyway, to get off this unpleasantness, yeah, it, uh, we like Procurzi's trying to go to. Funeral and whatever else, and he, uh, like, he's clearly rattled. Uh, he goes away uh, and cuts some firewood in a, in a cut scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah, his his boss his boss gives him the loan of his cabin yeah. for a while, and it's just I'm not sure why this scene is is here. It's just him looking out at vistas while like you know Native American music plays in the background yeah. like he's getting the spirit of the west in him or something like that <laughs> the west you know <laughs> yeah I said that wrong but, but uh, uh, the culture came out in me there but um no it's, it's, it is weird he comes back uh, he's talking to his radio station manager and his uh, missus who we talked about earlier played by Jill Ireland 
uh, she works for this radio station as a news reporter and her kind of response to all the crime in the city is to be kind of a, a liberal and to kind of well we need we need to solve these problems with compassionate care yeah. and all that and she's kind of putting out that opinion on the airways mm. and uh, anyway Charles Bronson has decided on when he was cutting up the wood that he was coming back to take fucking names yeah <laughs> and, uh, but the thing is I gotta point out at this point somebody acting in this movie is fucking awful mm. uh, the guy who runs the radio station when Paul Kersey gives him because he's do Kersey is an architect yeah. and a uh, vigilante but um, he's an architect of justice <laughs> but um, he comes back and goes hey check out um, here's your design scheme here's how much it costs I'm not kidding he just kind of turns and goes Paul I can't believe these prices. Yeah. Oh my god. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's just like he's, uh, he's like he's in a local supermarket ad. I mean, uh, honestly, if if I were the one directing this, uh, fucking. If you were the one directing this, yeah. we wouldn't be friends. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> If I was directing that particular scene, yeah. uh, you know, Bronson just would have pistol whipped that guy. Yeah. Just, just <laughs> what the fuck, man? Yeah. And um, no, I, there there is one there is one thing I I thought was kind of interesting about Jill Ireland's character in this. Yeah, and uh, she the whole time she's going on with the with the very liberal point of view about this, mm-hmm. and the whole and her job is essentially reporting all of this really horrific shit. Yeah, and there's a motif going on throughout the film that every time you hear a radio, yeah, it's a, you know it's a news report about some horrible violent crime that's happened in the in the last twelve hours. Yeah, yeah, and which I think is a is surprisingly subtle from Michael Winner. Yeah, yeah. But, but it makes no sense, Jill Ireland's character in the in this that she's she's saying this the whole time. It's like, yeah, but we need to be compassionate about this. It's like, no, they're fucking dickheads. I just remembered something. All right. You said there uh, sparked it off my head. Right? What's that? Uh, Bob Mills, who was a bit of a late night TV legend. For oh, the one, of, one of my heroes, yeah. Uh, in Bed with Dinner, fucking yeah. legendary late night insomniac television. He was talking about um, Michael Winner's career, and he goes, Michael Winner was a young man who directed Dead Wish, uh, this fantastic film, and, uh, you know, he was. And he sat back, and instead of going, I'm going to rest on my laurels and make more artistic films, instead he went, let's make five more of them bastards. (laughs) Bob Mills, sir, you are a funny fucker. Absolutely. But um, anyway, to get back to the thing, uh, at this point, Kersey's on the hunt. Mm. He he goes and... uh, he goes to the streets of rage. Yeah. Same streets of rage from uh, Last American Virgin. Yeah. And uh, he fucking he's walking in this crazy looking street. Yeah. Like first of all he trifts up, he, he yeah. roughs himself up. And and you know you know shit has got real because from now on pretty much everything Charles Bronson does in this movie is met with like a single fucking chord. Yeah, you know, oh, that's the the true Dead Wish 2 theme, yeah, the it, plinky chord. And it's like oh, plink plink plink. Maybe we could have a play. Play. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm sure it's playing right now Sounds as we're talking. Like- <laughs> yeah. And uh, but yeah, it's, as you can hear, it's fucking fantastic. Yeah. And he's walking down this amazing street that has these little shops that are churches. Yeah. And all this kind of stuff, and 
he rents the shittest room in America. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, well, I think I think that was sort of playing into the the old West motif of this because uh, there's missions. Yeah. And in like the old West towns, there'd always be at least one of these things. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's what they were going for. I don't know if that's still a thing in like major American cities. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. I don't fucking know. Well, I've been in a few, and I, ha- I didn't see a lot of churches. Yeah. To be honest with you. Well, then again, you're not the sort who go looking. Oh, I am the sort who go looking. Really? Oh man, I love nothing better than a mental church. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, and I'm just gonna leave that there. All right, all right. Leave that one hanging. But uh, <laughs> he. Um, which I do. I love mental churches. I love yeah. just going, kind of watching people be crazy. But uh, yeah, that's how I feel about religion. <laughs> but uh, but uh, he rents this shit, this room in America, and uh, he goes. He starts stalking the streets, and he finds a skullet from earlier on. Yeah, the mullet guy you were talking about. All right, and uh, he's like, right, he's got his piece. All right, he's he looks fucking cool as fuck. Yeah, and uh, he's got his cool music behind him. And uh, he follows these guys to this hotel, which is like they said, like the old Hollywood hotel or something. Yeah, it was called. And I'm not kidding. There's so many fucking rats there. It's almost the ECW arena. Yeah, again, it's on the it's on the rape scene side of the subtlety scope of this yeah, movie because yeah. this film is is capable of like really subtle and things that start to get under your skin, and it's like just really obvious. Yeah, and you know, as Kersey is slowly walking down these stairs, he, it's a shot of his feet going down and just a shitload of rats going down beside him. Yeah, it's like. Could you be any more fucking obvious? This is end of the departed level obvious. <laughs> and it's like the, the I missed, messed it up there earlier on. Uh, it's like the motel across the street from the ECW. Right? <laughs> There's so many rats there, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah. Should have went there. I was at the ECW arena back in October. Should have went to the to the uh, motel and Dude. gotten a, an STD from the air. Yeah, there's probably a good strain of hepatitis still doing the rounds <laughs> and the molecules in that place. But um, <laughs> anyway, they're, do, they're the boys are down in the basement of this place trying to do a drug deal, and the deal's off. Yeah, because Kersey stalks down. He uh, he kicks a can over and. Like the, everyone's alerted to them, doesn't matter. He fucking blows one of the dudes away. Yeah, and uh, there's uh, there's he f- there's two of the five uh, are here, and he shoots one of them. Tells the two drug dealers that the guys were hanging out with to get lost, mm. and then one of the coolest lines ever. Happens. Yes, uh, the the skullet guy who was all acting all tough earlier on in the when he was fucking raping the poor women at the beginning of the movie, right? And like he's acting like a badass and whatever else. And then Kersey's there and like he just starts crying. Yeah. And I was like, it's so perfect because that's what guys are like that. You know, yeah. they're tough until the man comes yeah, around. Yeah, he's he's the stereotypical school bully. Yeah. You know, where he's just a prick to be a prick. And then when someone fucking gives him his comeuppance, he's yeah. a little bitch. If you'll allow me the line. Please do. Uh, he's wearing a crucifix. And Charles Bronson walks up and says, Do you believe in Jesus? And the guy goes, yeah. And he goes, good. You're going to meet him. <laughs> Boom. Oh. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> blows him away. And when he's down, he gives him another one in the head, just to be sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to be sure. He, it's just, it's fucking badass. Yeah, that, <laughs> that is, 
you know, that is up there with, you know, let off some steam, Bennett, and smear cold mud on me and any other fucking action movie one-liner you will ever hear. Yeah, and this is the problem with yeah. this movie, alright? Because despite all the horrific sexual content, yeah. the film is still fucking great. I know! <laughs> because Charles Bronson is such a badass. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I, I said it with the first one, that he held the thing together. Yeah. It, he really holds this fucking thing uh, like, together as I, I was sitting there like the thing is my mam mm. uh, is a big fan good mother mm. is a fan alright of Charles Bronson and she loves the Dead Wish movies yeah and I think you know like a lot of her generation they just go oh, I love Dead Wish and I think the reason is they didn't probably consider all the horrible shit in it because all they remembered was Charles Bronson being a bad dude walking well, around uh, well in fairness if you could repress that me- the memory of some of those scenes you fucking would oh yeah but like, I think that's all people remember yeah you know what I mean it's just Bronson being a fucking bad motherfucker like, like at the end of the first one fill your hand yeah <laughs> he continues on mm. uh, after he murders this guy and now he's on the fucking yeah. he's on the path Right, and uh, he's walking around Los Angeles, and like there's obviously other scenes in between, but they're not of any real weight. But uh, he's walking around Los Angeles, and it seems like everybody under the age of say 29 is a criminal (laughs) in Los Angeles. It's like a Japanese film about like you know (laughs) suicidal youths. And what's funny is like I I wrote this here. It's like he's shooting his way through the decline of Western civilization, (laughs) part one. Pretty much, you know, like that movie, which is great. Like Penelope Spears directed a series of documentaries about the music scene in Los Angeles, and uh, the first one is about punks in the early eighties. And this movie is essentially that film, but with Charles Bronson shooting these kids. (laughs) Like, what would happen if we put Charles Bronson with the hand cannon in this movie? (laughs) uh, It's um. He he's bombing around the city, yeah. And uh, of course, he's in an arcade at one point, which I marked over because I love arcades. Yeah. And um, he he's next thing he hears another scream, and I'm there going, "Oh, for fuck's sake, another rape!" Yeah. And yes, another rape. Now, thankfully, this off one screen. is done off screen. But uh, but Char- it they still put it in there. Yeah. Bronson goes down. And basically, a couple of dudes are attacking a tourist couple. Mm. Uh, one of them being a woman, obviously. Kersey intervenes. Yeah. The only way he knows how. By putting fucking lead in everything. Yeah. Now, this is my favourite scene in the whole fucking movie. Uh, my favourite scene is later on. But yeah. Go ahead. But because he gets the drop on them. There's three guys. He gets yeah. the drop on them. No, four. Sorry. He shoots two of them in the back. Yeah. You know. Now, like, these guys re- are... They, these guys aren't perpetrators of the original crime, but one of them is. Yeah, one of them is. The original perpetrator plus this other guy and this poor woman yeah. are are in a are in a van. Yeah. The two guys get get one in the back. Yeah. And the guys come out shooting. Yeah. And this is this just turns into like an old west style gunfight, but there's no you know there's no there's no soundtrack to this part. No. You know it's just it's quiet. And it's the and it's the guys hiding out and like basically hunting each other and there's a real sense of peril in yeah. this in this scene. You worry for Bronson, yeah. he's one man. Exactly. You know? And he's outnumbered and he's outgunned. And <laughs> there's a, a the, the the one of the attackers brings the woman out and hmm. of course her tits are out. Of course. And uh she's just like, Oh no, don't you know, don't shoot or whatever and of course Bronson uh like the guy's going, I'll oh, kill her man and Bronson's like, I don't think so. And yeah. puts one in him and that's the end of that. Yeah. And he picks up his other gun and runs after the last guy yeah. who was one of the guys who attacked his daughter. Mm. 
and there's kind of a chase sequence here. The guy's hiding out in a forklift. Yeah. And when Bronson nearly finds him, he drives the forklift uh, fucking at him and knocks over all these boxes, which Chuck narrowly fucking escapes. Yeah. And uh, Chuck gets away and then shoots him square in the fucking face. I I hate to say it, at the risk of being a horrible fucking cliche, for this scene I've written in my notes, the hunter has become the hunted. (laughs) And only something that fucking badass will elicit such a cheesy fucking cliche of a line. You're there going, you're fucked. You are fucked, son. But he shoots the guy, well, he doesn't shoot him in the face, he shoots him in, like, the the chest, but he kind of JFKs out of the car. (laughs) The only way I can put it, he shoots him in one direction, but he kind of flies out in another. I think that's just the editing in this film. Because some of the editing, to be fair, is kind of shitty. Yeah, and there's there's another awesome line in this. Clearly not understanding Bronson at this point for some reason. I expected him to have, like, an angry reaction to this guy. Yeah. And it was... Instead, what I got was far more awesome. It was just like a cold, monosyllabic bye. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh. like, you know what? You're not even worth the fucking effort. Yeah. And that was it. Like, you know, <laughs> it's like, I'm going to put you down and that's it. Mm. You know? But uh, there is, uh, it, he runs away from the crime scene. Like, yeah. uh, and cops come or whatever. But this is one of the first GTA films where as long as you get far enough away, <laughs> you're grand. You're fine. <laughs> you know? And, uh, of course, the people he saved, they won't cooperate yeah, with the police. There, there's a there's a great line in this where um, the cops are trying to get a, an ID of Kersey out of them. Yeah. And uh, the woman describes him as six foot tall and blonde. Yeah. And... Um, the, the man describes him as uh, black with a red beard and seven foot two. Yeah. He's like, oh, fuck. You <laughs> yeah. know, and your man, your man is, your your man has a completely legitimate criticism of the cops. He's like, you know, where where the fuck were you collecting parking, t- you know, yeah. signing parking tickets? And he's right, because there are two constants in the Death Wish films. Like I said, if you're around Paul Carsey and you have a vagina, you're basically dead. And yeah. two, the cops will arrive Two minutes after whatever the fuck is going down has happened. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the two constants. That, uh, well, three. That fucking, and Kersey in his hand cannon. Yeah. But, um, There's a whole lot of nothing kind of happens then mm. with the police. Because I guess that they kind of discuss this, like the police are kind of... Uh, Going, oh, Paul Kersey's on the whatever. Well, like, well what happens in those scenes is uh, the New York cops who let him go the first time. Yeah. It dawns on them that Kersey is doing his, is doing his thing again. So they send the guy who tried to intimidate him to, into stopping the, in the first film, yeah, Detective Ochoa, Ochoa. And they decide, oh, we'll try to get him to do it again. Because it worked so well the first fucking time. Yeah. <laughs> but they go and try to get him to stop it. He talks to everybody on the police force from the lowest uh, guy to the big boss man himself yeah. at the top knew I'd get the big boss man in there <laughs> if this show has a fucking team tune it's that right? and I'm not going to explain it anymore now, right? you either know what it is or you don't but um, he he uh, they're like, all right, well, I'll go. He decides to try and stop him because he can't let the cops know mm. that, um, what you call it, that they like Kersey go. So he's trying to do it on his own. Yeah. And so he's holding out on him. Uh, Kersey, of course, is still hunting uh, the guys. And there's other scenes in between, but I don't really think they're all that important. Not really, no. And uh, he, anyway, he finds 
the three remaining rapists having a wee dance. Yeah. And all I could think was, this is like the beginning of a really bad joke. Yeah. Three I, rapists are having a dance in the park. I, I was I was thinking, this is, uh, you know, Michael Winner directs Break It. That yeah. was what came to my mind. Oh, I'd hate that poor fucking. Uh, what's you know, name? special. You know, special K would have been filled with special K and fucking thrown out the back of a moving lorry. Was oh, it on Karen Kelly? Uh, Kelly, yeah. Oh, poor Kelly. Poor Kelly. Yeah. Poor Lucinda Dickey. I'm so glad she was spared the fate of being the Michael Winner. Same here. But um, I, I just wrote down here they're dancing around. They start harassing a nurse for no good reason. Mm. They get on the bus. All I think was these people are the fucking worst. Yeah, you know there there is there is kind of a cool chase scene aspect to this because oh yeah because Bronson is trying to yeah yeah well Bron- Bronson is Bronson is tailing these guys yeah and Detective Ochoa is tailing him yeah uh, he and they're all trying to keep yeah they're all you know they. Uh, Ochoa, he's he's trying he's trying to is he trying to stop Bronson? I'm not entirely sure. He's just sure. keeping an eye on him. He he's wants just to keeping get an eye him. on him. Yeah, uh, and they they have to they have to change buses and stuff like that. Yeah. And Ochoa is in this, is following them in a cab, and it's well it's fucking weird. Uh, when when they get when they get to their destination, yeah, the boys run off into the woods. Yeah. Bronson follows them, and your man, the cop gives the cabbie half a tenner yeah. because you get the other half and I get back mm. and all I think was and, like, that and, was a lot of money back then and as well as that he says if you if you hear shooting don't worry it's, it's target, target practice how fucking <laughs> would you have to be to believe that line because <laughs> if I was driving a cab yeah. and someone told me to follow someone yeah. and then when he got out and said don't worry if you hear gunshots I'm calling the fucking cops yeah, but he's got. He, there's a tenor in it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? The power of a tenor. Oh man, a tenor was a lot of money back then. I know, but he's not I mean, Virgil. It, it, I mean, would, <laughs> it wouldn't buy you half a bag of Funyuns today. Like, <laughs> yeah, but, true. Uh, okay, fair enough. You know, I mean, the seven. You know, the eighties were a different time. I understand that. But it's uh, yeah. He's just like, oh, geez, I need this tenor. <laughs> yeah. Fuck the law. <laughs> he's like the anti-judge dread. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, there the guy um, Bronson follows the boys in, and this is like straight out of Grand Theft Auto. Mm. Uh, well, maybe Grand Theft Auto is straight out of that wish too. Like, yeah. you know, where Bronson follows the guys in, and they're buying guns because clearly their gang is starting to fucking disappear. So I guess <laughs> yeah. they're thinking, let's tool up. And here, here's the thing. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne, for some reason, brings a boombox to oh, a gun. Oh, oh, here's my favorite bit yeah. in the movie. No, no. Before you say that, I just want to comment on one thing. Uh-huh. Um, the state of the gun dealer. Oh, God. He, well, looked, he looked like a cross between a rainbow and a, and a pedophile. Yeah, <laughs> he, he, he had, what was it, a pink satin shirt yeah. and rainbow suspenders. I don't mean to use uh, the term Gabe as a pejorative. Yeah. Right? But he did look like he owned a gay bar in Deadwood. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's the kind of... Oh, that, that would be amazing if that... <laughs> if that was an actual thing in Deadwood. Yeah. 
it would just it it will become like top ten greatest shows ever to best thing that's ever existed. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he did. He looked. That was what he looked like. Yeah, he was amazing. He had that kind of weird. He, he reminded me of one of those like you know he, he looks like someone you see in a documentary about Waco. That's all <laughs> yeah, there, there was that thing. look about. He had a gut. He had like a he had he had a bit of a neck beard going on. Yeah, he's he, I, he had yeah. like a Stephen Wright haircut. Yeah. Anyway. Well, uh, after that, uh, the the cop spots that there's a sniper watching for mm. Carsey because the boys are being watched, you know? Yeah. So he fucking, the cop shoots the sniper and then all fucking hell breaks loose. Yeah. Because this guy's selling these guys fucking M16s and hand cannons and all <laughs> yeah. the rest, right? And Carsey then just starts fucking plugging rounds. The cop starts plugging rounds, yeah. like, you know? But uh, he shoots one guy, one of the rapists in the leg and the stomach and he kind of goes down mm. but Lawrence Fishburne's character tries to back behind a pillar yeah. and he holds up his boombox to try and shield himself yeah just like a pure panicked reaction yeah. he holds it up in front of his face yeah. and fucking Kersey Bronson whatever you want to call him boom yeah. splits the fucking thing in half and shoots him right in the fucking oh. it's my favourite moment in the movie oh. like bang yeah. like, the thing fucking explodes and the guy goes down and I don't care I'm sitting there going yeah yeah oh don't <laughs> you know? don't get me wrong I like the other scene better but I was still going fuck yes <laughs> you know get is, in there this is a this is a fuck yeah action movie <laughs> yeah, moment like, yeah. you know? and like you're taking dudes out and uh, unfortunately the cop gets tagged and mm. fucking the the, the uh, Deadwood uh, the dealer yeah. he drives his car away and fucking tails it off a cliff yeah. and it's this <laughs> it's fucking it's, it's weird it's an original car crash yeah. so usually in a cheaper movie or in any action movie mm. there's just this like catalogue of car crashes yeah it's stock footage yeah. now they filmed this originally yeah. for this movie and the cool thing is the car falls on its side yeah and then explodes and it's fucking awesome yeah it and looks it, amazing uh, the, the last guy and I remember his name Nirvana his name is yeah who's this big kind of bushy headed dude he runs away and yeah. gets away he, he looks kind of like cowboy from the warriors Yes. If, yeah, that's the best visual descriptor I can give. Or him. just like any guy with curly hair in the seventies who went, "If I grow my hair, it looks like Robert Plant's." <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And then just ended up with just yeah. you know a big mess of hair under mm. like you know. And you know he get he gets yeah you know, he gets caught by the cops uh, after. Well, they... No, no, know, we've got oh, something to talk about. Sorry, first. sorry, yeah. Uh, Kersey and has a talk with the dead cop. Mm. Uh, the guy got shot. And uh, he goes... Um, <laughs> he's like, look at... Uh, Kersey goes, why are you protecting me? He goes, better you than them, you know? Yeah. Talking with the guys. So he's made a judgment call on these dudes. And it just reminded me of the chief from Samurai Cop. <laughs> if you remember him, like, yeah. you know, I want these bastards dead! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kill them all! I, uh, actually, sorry... Uh, if Maestro, if you wouldn't mind cutting in a bit of the Samurai <laughs> yeah. Cop chief there. I should fire both of you. You never brought me one of those bastards in alive so I can nail them with something. And because of you, I'm about to be fired. I'm going to lose my pension. That means my future's gone. But you know something? I don't give a fuck. There's only one thing in this world I want. I want you to find that motherfucking Japanese gangster. I want you to kill him, and I want you to kill every one of his men. I want you to burn his house into a bloodbath. Don't leave anybody alive. And when they're 
all dead, you come back to me. And all three of us will turn our badges in. Say goodbye to it. We'll be off this police force for good. Okay, and we're back. The, um, the, the, line, I, the line I have in my notes is, Paul, of all the murderers I've ever met, you're by far the coolest. That, <laughs> if if I was writing the script, that would have been the line. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> we're all fucking thinking it. But uh, the last guy, Nirvana, yeah. is his name, and all I could think was, if this was a fucking, if I, if I had, if I knew he was going to be the last guy, mm. and if Death Wish Two was a film that came out in 1996, the tagline I would have put it with Nirvana is about to be Cobain. <laughs> oh. <laughs> And uh, that's what I was thinking. It would have been a different ending as well. There would have been a shotgun involved oh, somehow. Oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Do you believe in... Heroin. <laughs> yeah, you're going to need it. Boom! <laughs> you know... You know, they call it Black Todd. Does yeah. that mean it'll come out slowly? <laughs> <laughs> Only one way to find out. But, um, Jeez, my Bronson impression's gone to shit. But anyways. Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> but, um... What was it? The... Kersey, he, he goes after this guy and there's a sting operation by the police because obviously they were interested there's been a fucking mass shooting yeah. here, right? So the police are on the lookout and they were trying to catch Kersey. Yeah, and they were trying to catch a cop killer. Yeah, exactly. Right. So um, Kersey does his own like fucking stealth intrigue fucking entrance to the building yeah. that Nirvana's in. Mm. And um, what you call it, he is... He shakes the building down. Uh, there's, a, of course, there's a woman being attacked. Yeah, uh, yeah. When he when he walk, uh, just like you know, Agent Forty Sevens his way in. Yeah, you know, past the SWAT team into this building, and wouldn't you know it? One of the this guy is being abusive to a woman. Yeah. Who would have fucking thought, right? But. And this is purely in terms of gratuity, right? Yeah. Bronson's waiting outside the door. Yeah. You know, fucking gun in hand. Your man gets the drop on him, which is, you know, considering it's Bronson, is fucking amazing. Yeah. And uh, slices his arm up, yeah. runs out runs out the door, he gets caught by the cops. But of course... Can I just say? Yeah. He's a fucking hoss. Mm. He's taking cops out left, right and centre. Because he's out of his mind on PCP. Oh, but he's like turfing them out. Yeah. He's just fucking <laughs> yeah. throwing cops through buildings. But, or whatever, but before yeah. he gets out there... Just for a split second, they yeah. have to show the other girl who went in there with Nirvana. Yeah. She's out of her mind on drugs, listening to a Walkman. With, with her tits out. Yeah, with her tits out. For no fucking good reason whatsoever, yeah. other than it's a Michael Winner joint. I'm just going to point this out here. Yeah. Right, just for the, the sake of uh, clarity. Right, uh, Some people have a problem with the word tits. Yeah. Right? Really? Yeah, they do. They think it's... Uh, for whatever reason, right? And they think when men use the word tits that we're being... I don't know some kind of possessive or whatever yeah. however I'll say this have you ever known a woman who didn't call her own tits tits I've never met a girl who <laughs> you know didn't what I mean? call them they always go these are my tits deal with it like, yeah. you know what I mean and that's why we use the word tits absolutely because you know all's fair what what silly person was on with that nonsense uh, it's just one of these things like you know uh, it's that thing where you should People feel like, it's a weird thing. It seems to be okay to joke about your dick or your, you yeah. know, or whatever. Make as many cock jokes as you can. Well, oh my god, use a fucking descriptive word about female <laughs> part of female anatomy, and some people lose their fucking mind. And like, honestly, oh. it's it's it just has a lovely sound. Yeah, that yeah, word. yeah. Tits. Like I, I tits. love. Yeah, tits is great. Like, yeah. You know, uh, 
And unless, unless you say it like "oi tits," yeah, you know, then it's not cool. And, uh, <laughs> but, and like we wouldn't ever, for say, sit down and uh, call a woman sugar tits to the grade or whatever. <laughs> no, no, of course. Sugar not. tits, I think, should be a compliment. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. you should only ever say that if you love someone. That's it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But uh, it's weird. Like, I, I, I think a lot of uh, like language kind of gets chewed up sometimes. Yeah, we uh, we need to reclaim tits. Tits is a great word, and tits are fucking fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I'll put that out there. I'm a fan. You know, we need to bring back tits. You know, a fucking a campaign more pointless than just Timberlake bringing back sexy a couple of years ago. The thing is, though, it's like uh, Irish women in particular are like I don't think get enough credit for being as funny as they are about female uh, anatomy. Oh, because if you like, you haven't lived. Trust me, Mm. only you've heard an Irish woman. Talk about Ergie. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, uh, you no, know. Here, here's... Uh, and talk about it in a casual manner. Yeah. The kind of manner that, like, on, say, like, social media and whatever, people go... And people always give out about men and whatever else and go, uh, men are afraid to talk about vaginas. And I remember watching, and all that kind of stuff, like, yeah. you know, and are afraid of vaginal imagery and all that. Not if you grow up in Ireland. No. Right? Like, because women... Because if you talk to Irish women just yeah. in general... No, well, they'll tell you about the, their vaginas. Yeah. You know, like, it's, uh, it's not a fucking problem. And they'll them. use, they'll use language far fouler than I would to yeah, fucking yeah. describe them as and well. And the thing as well is, like, there's this whole uh, thing about, like, oh, men don't want to talk about periods. Yeah. I don't know a single woman who hasn't talked to me at you know <laughs> yeah. with me at length about her period. Like we, Irish women just talk about her periods. Yeah, it's just something that goes on. Like you know, now, me, I I think it's only about a quarter of the women I know who've yeah. done it to me. Maybe maybe you just have a look about you. I don't know. I well, I yeah. do have a look about me. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's you just know, Capcom. There, he'd love to hear about me me excretions. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> it's just and here's the thing uh, when. Uh, uh, people in Ireland in general talk about bodily functions. Yeah. It's always a great bit of crack. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there, there's a there's you know, a tiny, tiny little bit of Catholic shame involved. Yeah. and as well as that, there there's always even if you've heard every single word for every single body part and every single function. Yeah, some drunk Egypt will come out with something you've never heard before. Yeah, I I heard a brilliant one there the last day where a female friend of mine was talking about a friend of hers who was, and I quote, up on the onyx anaconda. And was a, because she has an African boyfriend. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, um, my, my favorite yeah. one, and this is attached usually to older Irish women, yeah. who would say about a man who would ha- who would engage in carnal activities with anyone who would offer such a service to him, yeah. they would often say, Sure, he get up on a crack plate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just think of the actual physics of that. Yeah, yeah. That's not a pleasant experience. Anyway, to get back <laughs> yeah. on topic. Yeah. Tits. Tits. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> anyway, the Nirvana, because he's on PCP and he's all mm. mental, he gets off mm. uh, when they bring him to court. And uh, basically... Well, well... He now, gets all, he gets into a mental institution. Yeah, the reality of that is not like they is not oh, like no. they they showed in this film. Well, if you want to see a kind of not realistic but probably more accurate description of what it's like to be sent to a, a, an asylum for the criminally insane, watch Bronson. Yeah, you know. No, usually what they do is they drug you to they drug you to Catatonia yeah. and just fucking leave you there. Yeah, it's a storage facility. Yeah, essentially. 
But, uh, uh, but this guy, apparently, he's lucid. He's walking around. Oh, he's having... He's the cock of the walk. Yeah, he's having the time of his life. And uh, Charles Bronson makes a visit to the hospital. Yeah. Out, out of feigning some liberal interest with his... Uh, <laughs> yeah. In, with, with a woman. With Jill. With Jill. Now, the thing that cracked me up here was, before this scene... He asked her to marry him, and I was like, "Don't do it! Don't! For the love of God, <laughs> he will die! You know? Do not marry Paul Kersey. You, it's you'll, a end, up, you'll <laughs> end up with a hole in your head. You could stick your fist through. Don't do it. I mean, look, I'm just saying, it's a miracle, all right? Yeah. That I, you know, a, a gang of sex attackers having just Mad Max style fucking cleaned yeah. a truck over. As soon as soon as he said that, yeah. I mean, honest to God, I'm not sure which is more dangerous being Paul Kersey's love interest or being trafficked yeah. <laughs> it's, it's I, oh my god the minute she said that I half expected like Peter Sutcliffe to jump out <laughs> yeah. the bush and just, a f- with a hammer you yeah, know? or fucking you know Albert Fish to arrive out with some cheese wire or yeah. some shit like that it, I was just fuck, I was like don't do it so you no no but she's like no we're getting on this you know we're going down to Acapulco and we'll fucking do They're this going local yeah but, um, <laughs> they won't be staying too long it's not Bronson style they wouldn't be staying too long because he'd have to venture fucking death after a day or two yeah you know well him go him going to Mexico is in general is just a scary fucking prospect kidnapping capital of the world yeah because basically it's going to be it's going to be Paul Kersey versus the Sequestro Express yeah, yeah or one of the fucking or one of the cartels and that you know that's a fucking international incident plus the greatest movie never made. Do you believe in Jesus? <laughs> Paul Kelsey, I caramba. Debt Wish Trace. Yes. But, um, oh, God. Why was that film not made? But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Even Jesus, but uh, quite proud of that one. Yeah, should be. But um, there, <laughs> and the minute someone mentions Acapulco, yeah. you're just like you're going local, right? Of course, because that, that is a good little tune. Yeah, you know? in fairness, it's a good little pop song yeah. from back in the day. Anyways, back back on topic. Back, back on, topic. on topic. Yeah. Um, now this, this shit here, uh, this is where, um, okay. The, the the rape scenes horrific and everything, uh-huh. but happen in reality. Let's you know, let's not fucking fool ourselves. <laughs> Shit like that happens. This is goddamn ridiculous. <laughs> the scene where where Kersey takes on Nirvana here. Yeah, is, well, it's a, there's a little bit of a espionage attached. Yeah, where he fakes an ID for a, to be a doctor at the hospital. Yeah, there there's a bit of Agent Forty Seven about Kersey, which I love. Oh, yeah. he goes to the hospital first and scopes it out, like, mm. you know, and then goes, "All right, I'll be a doctor." And he's, you're like that. This film couldn't exist anymore because. He fakes a photo ID by photocopying it and tipexing out the name. And like, yeah, I was, you know. I, was pay- I was watching that going, you fucking master of espionage, <laughs> Kersey. <laughs> you know. Jesus Christ. It's He's not exactly the talented Mr. Ripley, is he? <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> but, uh, he, <laughs> he's, uh, 
fucking Tipex, really? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's this isn't a, as far as espionage goes. Yeah. This isn't like Inception or yeah. fucking this, you know, this is, Casino this is, Royale. Yeah, this is more trying to steal a fucking goon of cider out of an off license. That's yeah, the level yeah. of espionage we're talking here. He might as well have not even bothered. No, you know, just I mean? walk in. It's like, hi, I'm Paul Kersey, and I'm here to shoot that fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it would have been <laughs> served his purposes just as well. Here, you see that gun over there? Yeah. yeah, I'm here for him. Yeah. All right. Yeah. By the way, I'm Charles Bronson. Yeah, yeah. You know, I can. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to put holes in someone today. It can be him, <laughs> or, or it can, can be you. You, you know, <laughs> his mustache would have broken down the fence. <laughs> but um, anyway, Bronson, he goes in uh, to the hospital, and he goes, "I'm here to see Mister Nirvana or whatever." Mm. You know. And the the security guard kind of goes, ah, yeah, all right, I, yeah. I believe you that you're you, kind of, I suppose, I yeah. don't know. Anyway, and then he goes, they're walking towards the interview room, and Kersey goes, what's that shit back there? And he goes, oh, that's for the electroshock treatment. She'd never be needing that no, sir, would you? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Foreshadowing! <laughs> yeah, oh, God, I'm surprised the old, surprised the fucking lights in the house didn't go out there was so much shadowing going on yeah like, that, you know? that's the equivalent of Michael Winner holding your hand through a scene and the idea of Michael Winner holding my hand is frankly fucking horrifying yeah he's so. a fucking <laughs> liver spotted paw oh. but uh, anyway he um, Bronson goes in to interview him and uh, sadly um, there was a moment here that I thought was missed mm. alright if he hadn't walked in and Nirvana had been reading the paper or whatever mm. and he just goes so, well, where do you see yourself in five years? <laughs> just plugs him, like, you know. But he runs in, pulls his fucking piece, and the guy kicks the table. Like, yeah. He's sitting that up in front of him. Yeah, Nirvana's a fucking beast. Yeah. And the two of these dudes proceed to have a fucking awesome fight. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, don't get me wrong. The fight is not the problem with this scene. The fight is fucking cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's full on. Yeah. Like, Kersey takes damage. And, you know, and he fucking gives some as well. Oh, yeah. There's a bit where, like, in modern action movies and stuff, you see a lot of really well choreographed fight scenes, yeah. you know, where it's flips and flops and mm. whatever else. This scene is, there's literally, like, a minute of Nirvana on the ground. Yeah. And Kersey's just kicking them in the yeah, fucking this is, face. This is a vicious scramble. Yeah. Which is what a fight really is. It's realistic. Yeah. Because it's just like, right, get your fucking shit in. Exactly. You know, like the, the, I remember watching The Raid, which is a wonderful film. Absolutely. Uh, and, but there's a bit at near the end where they're fighting that guy, the butcher guy, or the yeah. mad dog. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the two guys are fighting this guy, and they keep on pulling him up off the ground. Yeah, because the fight scene needs for him to be standing. Right? Yeah, but in, when I was watching it, and I used to do judo, so I like I was yeah. used to fighting on the ground. I was like, jump on him, fucking armbar. Yeah, like, you know. I but, I from my from my experience of being in street fights, it's just sort of fucking stomp on him. But this is the thing. Kersey doesn't go. There's nothing fancy about what he's doing no, here. God, he's just no. kicking the fuck out of him. Like, yeah. you know? But uh, Nirvana, of course, gets up. He's got a shiv. He's stabbing at Paul Kersey. He yeah. fucking rips his shoulder out. Like, mm. you know? uh, the two of them brawl to the back. Yeah. <laughs> and um, what's called? There, again, this is a great fight. Like mm. uh, There's fucking guns and knives and tables and yeah. whatever else. Like a, a proper end fight. Yeah. You know? And then... This uh, guy is the final boss. Yeah. And... Um, the guy, anyway, he swings for Paul, misses, 
And punches into an electroshock machine. Yeah. And, and wouldn't you know it, Paul just happens to fall beside the switch. Yeah. You know, okay, guess what happens next? <laughs> uh, if you're thinking... <laughs> I'm just saying, if you're thinking... Maybe this, the Kiss song, Shock Me, would be a good, uh, you know, a soundtrack for this. You'd be right. Yeah. Or anything by the band Electric Eel Shock. You know, anything. Or Electric Six. Yeah. Which is, we were talking about your man earlier on, who ran the gay bar and then Exactly. We're all good here. There's a lot of electric songs, you know. Uh, fucking, there's a band, Electric yeah. Frankenstein. Yeah. Very, you know. But, like, they, this... If if memory serves, this is how James Bond got rid of Odd Job in Goldfinger. Is it? You know the fucking with the hat and the metal bars and shit. Ah yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, and um, I was just like, okay, up until now, however however over the top this shit got, yeah. it was still feasible, and then this shit happens. I don't know. I mean, it's not that bad. It's yeah. not like. I'm not saying it's bad, I'm just saying it's fucking ridiculous, and it kind of took me out of the movie, you know? Yeah, but I, I didn't have a problem with it. I, 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 like, he electrocutes him. The sad thing is, though, I wanted him to fucking blow his head off. Yeah. But just because that's the Paul Kersey way, mm. you know? But, uh... However, after this, there is what I think is a really cool scene. Where he, the, the orderly comes in. Yeah, the, the orderly comes in, and Kersey, he's, he's lost a lot of blood. And he kind of realizes he's fucked. Yeah. And he just sits down on the chair, slumped, kind of, de- you know, kind of defeated. Yeah. About as close as Paul Kersey ever gets to being defeated. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And without even looking up, he just goes, he raped and murdered my daughter. Yeah, yeah. And your man takes this in, he stares at him and it's like, I'll give you three minutes. Yeah. And it's such a fuck, you know. Oh, it's great. It's yeah. really well done. You know. And more action movies need to do this, just like sparse dialogue, just, you know, yeah, all yeah. in the fucking, you know, all in the reaction. And it's a fucking great scene. I don't know who the orderly is, but he's a damn good actor. It's and, weird, like, this film is, and the Dead Wish movies in particular mm. are, and we're at the end here, obviously. Uh, the Jill Ireland, the, her character, yeah. uh, she finds out that, she finds some of his fake IDs, mm. so she realises... And she hears on the radio that uh, Nirvana has been killed, so she kind of works it out because she suspected throughout the film that he is killing all these dudes. Well, Ochoa kind of said, uh, you know, yeah, he sets came to visit her. Yeah, and he's there going, "No, no, no, I ain't killing people." Mm. And <laughs> yeah, whatever. Of course not. <laughs> you know, but um, she finds the thing. She she leaves the engagement ring behind. Best decision she ever made. In her oh life. fuck yeah! You know, if she went down to Mexico. She would end up in a fucking battle with her fucking kidneys removed. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, it would not have been a good fucking time for her. Oh like, Christ, you know, no. Like it's kind of an incredible Hulk ending, mm. where it's kind of a downer, like you know, in a in a way, yeah. But uh, yeah, I have expected the piano theme to start playing. <laughs> yeah, like, you know? but uh, it's it's weird. Like he gets away with it, but uh, there's no victory. Almost, yeah. Like it's the same. Like early on in the film, he's not like. It's not like he's taking pleasure in what he's doing. Yeah, he's just like. I gotta do this because nobody else is gonna, mm. you know. And um, but there's no revulsion in it either. Which no, is no, kind of no. weird. He's but. just like Paul Kersey is the other end of the dial. Yeah, like these guys mm. are. It's the yin yang thing, mm. you know. And the thing about this movie, what it does really well is there's a lot of scenes where they show scenes of Kersey getting ready, 
and there's like this psycho style music playing in the background yeah because Kersey's the good guy but there's a lot of darkness in him yeah it, you know you know it kind of kind of reminded me of you ever see that movie Maniac yeah 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 you know yeah. the Jerry Spinell movie yeah kind of reminded me of that a little bit which is a very fucking unsettling thing oh yeah it's like <laughs> it's just it's I don't know like he's he's kind of a fascinating character because he's able to be normal as well mm. you know and like it's just that thing where he's yeah. just like I'll, I'll do this if yeah. I have to like at the at the end of the movie like the final bit of this movie is him him at a, at a ceremony for the unveiling of this building he was working on. Yeah. And his boss comes up to him and is like, well, we've got this thing on Tuesday night, you know? Yeah. Uh, would you be, you know, would uh, we'd love it if you could join us. Yeah. And he just goes, well, where else would I be? Yeah, and then you see yeah. him on the streets again. And it just cuts to, like, Bronson backlit against, like, this five-story building, and he looks like he's a hundred feet tall. Yeah. And it looks fucking amazing. But I'm not sure what to make of this movie. To be See, perfectly that's the honest, thing. It's, a, it's a it's a troubling film. Yeah, in many respects. But um, like, I mean, Charles Bronson is so charismatic. Yeah, and so cool and such a great action star that he really does punch it, the film yeah. into the right directions like, when he's on screen. The the action, you know, he's brilliant in it. The action movie, the action scenes, I should say, are oh, that's the thing. Are, you cannot take that away from Michael Winner. Yeah. That guy can direct action well. Yes. And they're we, all tremendous like. Oh, yeah. They're like, all You and I both have different one different favorites yeah. and we like them all. I oh, mean, they're great like uh, and that was 3 as well which is not exactly a masterpiece of screenwriting. Oh Christ no. Or acting or whatever else. But the action scenes in it are fucking fantastic. Yeah. He knows how to put a film together that way. Like some of the performances in this film are kind of ropey. Yeah. Some of the writing is yeah, there, dire, there like, are, you know, but there uh, are holes in this plot bigger than the fucking holes that Kersey leaves in people. Yeah, <laughs> it's I mean no, I, I was thinking about this. You know when uh, when the cop gets shot? Yeah. You know, he went to the LAPD. They know that the only reason he's in town is to investigate Paul Kersey. Yeah. If he fucking turns up dead, the first person they should look for it's is Paul, Paul fucking Kersey. Why, why is why was he still allowed to walk around? Because <laughs> Because reasons. he's Bronson. That's yeah. the only fucking reason. And there's not a lot of uh there's not a lot of, you know, logic on show. Yeah. And the problem is is they, they, they have pretensions towards being able to intelligently deal with like sexual assault and street crime and all that, but really it just ends up being exploitative trash like you Yeah, know? They, this And it, it was it was rightfully called out for its content it, at the um, time. Yeah. However, it's also a fucking great action movie. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, okay, if if you can if you can get over the first half hour of this movie, yeah, and that's a big fucking if now because the it's it's. Oh, if you're on Tumblr, you're yeah, never going to watch it. It's not. Yeah, Christ no. You might if you're on the red pill, but um, the, oh, you the, don't the, stop I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It just keeps coming up and as a fucking gag. It's, <laughs> sorry, okay, but only shave me neck here. <laughs> no, I'm just. If you can get past the first half hour of this movie, yeah, you, you can. It's a really enjoyable if schlock, if sort of schlocky exploitation action movie. Yep. However, that's a big ask. As dependent, it, it depends on your capacity. Yeah, and your fucking stomach. Yeah. You know. Anyway, uh, would you recommend it to people then, yeah? 
I would. Yeah, so I guess thumbs up for me. Yeah. Now, granted, we did watch the unrated version this time out. So. Oh, no, I said the cut version. The uh, unrated version would be the uncut Oh, version. no, the un- yeah, the cut version I meant to say, sorry. And... Uh, now, granted, if we're watching the if we're watching the uncut version, we may have a very different opinion of this film. Yeah, obviously, we've discussed uh, Deathwish two at length, and uh, I hope you'll uh, indulge us uh, with uh, a little bit of more of your time on this uh, particular Friday, as we, of course, talked about Dusty Rhodes and the great Christopher Lee at the beginning of the the show. And um, I hope you enjoyed talking, uh, listening to us talk about this. But uh, the next film, American Ninja. Maestro with the trailer, please. For 2,000 years, the sacred art of the ninja has been guarded in the East. Remember the day I found you. Now, it has come to the West. Remember what is hidden deep in your mind. He is the only soldier. Date of birth unknown. The only American who is he? Who is capable of defeating the secret Black Star Army. The mission to hijack a U.S. military arsenal. Your destiny, my son, awaits you. The adventure. The confrontation. Okay, well, uh, I'm sure you'll agree that's a... Uh, Jesus, I sound like Game and Will there. But, um, <laughs> fantastic game. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm sure you'll agree that's that's a very interesting, uh, uh, if not spectacular film, probably. <laughs> I'm sure you can even tell how spectacular it is just by listening to it. But uh, it's uh, we're going to be coming back in two weeks' time with a big muscle-bound... Uh, American Ninja. Extravaganza from the director. American Ninja. And uh, I can't wait to talk about American Ninja. That's a that's a movie I think we'll uh, we'll have a lot of fun talking about. Mm. If you want to uh, stay in touch with us, you should obviously first of all be subscribed to the Giant Me Media Ball. Of feed. course. And uh, I haven't uploaded shows onto SoundCloud in a while. That's just because SoundCloud only allows us to keep two shows up at a time. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, oh, it's because we haven't paid for it. Yeah. And we are cheap fuckers. So uh, <laughs> cut into my cider money. Are you fucking well? Yeah, yeah, but. Uh, uh, Scott Meaney's um, purefilter.com is down from a DDoS attack, so... Uh, a bunch of savages. When the, that gets back up, I'm sure we'll be featured on it. You can follow us through the Canon Canon Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash the Canon Canon. And, uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm Johnny Capcom, and you can follow Sean on Twitter. He's Robot Host Sean. And uh, if you got any... Uh, I know opinions or whatever on American Ninja or even Dead Wish too. we'd like yeah. to hear them so, or uh, you know uh, any jokes we missed any you know any opinions that run contrary to, to us yeah uh, you know we just love a bit of feedback yeah it'd know? be great 
And uh, yeah, so uh, we'll leave you with whatever is going to come after this because we don't know because uh, we're not cutting the fucker. <laughs> and uh, yeah, um, we hope you had fun. We had fun recording it. And, uh, Absolutely. I'll catch your ass down the, the road. road. <laughs> Bye. See you later.
American Ninja.